everyone says I wish I was in your shoe, I wish I was in your shoe. The people, the hundreds of people that wish they were in my shoe don't know the hint of it. If they were in my shoe, they would cry like babies. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another PicTalk PR After Show. I am so excited to bring you this After Show segment with Indie Film Hustle and Indie Film Hustle TV's Alex Ferrari. I got to say that this is just a value-laden gems, dropping jewels all over the place After Show. A little bit longer than most, but Alex and I really got into how the niches are in the riches, how when you tell a story genuinely from your heart and you don't worry about chasing after the money, um, miraculously, the money comes. And even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because I think intrinsically you feel as though you're getting your art out. Uh, we talked a little bit about how Alex feels that you don't want to just hit people over the head. Instead, we talked about the Gary Vee model of jab, 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 right hook, making sure that you're giving value and content to your audience in some kind of way before making asks. And then he asked me a question in regard to being a festival director and giving filmmakers the response or reasons as to why they did not get into the film festival and then after that we just had a little bit of time to just chat and we actually talked more about the journey so we get a little bit philosophical but i think that honestly this is just something that is straight up motivation definitely for this tuesday i'm excited to bring you these after shows because i, I know you're going to be traveling to go see mom to go see grandma to go see you know, friends, family, whatever the case may be. And so you'll definitely have picture lock to help get you there. Make sure you check the show notes to find out more about Alex, Indie Film Hustle, and all that he has to offer. I'm putting in the show notes also the specific episode that he talks about in the after show so that you can find it there. All right, guys, I can't wait for you to get into this episode. And you're going to do that right after this promo. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do, and as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realized that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. 
So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. All right, what's up, everybody? You are listening to the Picture Lock PR After Show. I am so excited to have my guest, founder of Indie Film Hustle and Indie Film Hustle TV, Alex Ferrari. Alex, thanks for sticking around. Of course, of course. All right, guys, so you know that this part of the After Show, we're specifically looking at uh, publicity, public relations, and marketing for your independent film. You know, this guy, he he definitely probably knows a lot more than even I do uh, with the scope of everything that he's done. So we're going to keep it to the, the usual three questions. And then from there, we're just going to like explore and hopefully give you guys a lot of value in terms of this conversation. So Alex, the first question What's the biggest thing that you feel you've done right in engaging the public and marketing for, I think, your films and even for your podcast? My first thing I would say is that I, whenever I create a piece of content, I am creating something in service of my audience. So that one concept is invaluable to whatever success uh, Indie Film Hustle as a brand has had or I've had because I... I try to think about what the audience wants and I create that content and I, and I truly want to be of service to them. Uh, that includes the way you market. That's including the way you make your content, whether that be a podcast, whether that be a blog post, whether that be a feature film. You know, uh, both feature films that I've directed have been in service of my audience. The first one, it was a big experiment to see if I can do it. You know, I'd never shot a feature before and I just got tired. I was like, I'm going to go make a movie. And I took my audience for the ride and I showed them the, the warts and all of how we walked through that, that process. And it ended up being a successful film. And my second film is a love letter to filmmakers. Um, so it's, a, it's specifically in, uh, it's kind of like this is Spinal Tap for filmmakers. And uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to create kind of this love letter to not only indie filmmakers, but uh, we shot it at Sundance, so I wanted to make a love letter to Sundance and to Park City and all the amazing things that happen there when you're at the Sundance Film Festival. So those kind of creation, when you create a content, thinking about how I can serve that audience is very, very important because I think the biggest mistake filmmakers make is they just start yelling uh, and, and, and broadcasting, hey, look at me, hey, I need money for uh, my, my uh, crowdfunding campaign. Hey, look at my trailer. Hey, look at this. Hey, look at that. I'm making a new movie. And like, and, they, and sometimes like you hear this stuff and you're like, like I hear this pitch all the time. Dude, I'm making a movie. It's super low budget. I got my friends are getting together. We're getting some stuff comped. And, uh, you know, we're going to make this whole movie for like five grand. And they think that's enough. Like they think that is what that's going to sell it. Because they heard Robert Rodriguez did it back in 91 with a $7,000 feature. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is not that world anymore. You've got to bring more to the game. There's much more competition. And to get attention from somebody, you really got to do something interesting. Uh, and so I always like to, to work, as far as marketing is concerned, I always like to use Gary V's approach, uh, Gary Vanderchuk, who's a 
uh, an entrepreneur, a business guy, and has an insane podcast and a million other things he's got going on. Yeah. And, and Gary Vee always says that, uh, what is it, a jab, 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 and a right hook. So that means that you give, like, for every eight or nine pieces of content, you're not asking for anything in those eight or nine pieces of content. And on the tenth con- piece of content, then you ask for something. And it's, just, it's an ask. You're like I'm giving you con- I'm giving you value I'm giving you value I'm giving you value. By the way, here's something I'd like you to do. Whether that be watch a trailer, like a video, donate to my crowdfunding campaign, uh, buy my movie, rent my movie. But you have you can't just keep pounding people with like buy 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 buy. You have to provide a certain amount of con- a value to them in order for them to do it. And that value can come in many different ways. It could be educational value. It could be entertainment value. It could be inspirational value. Uh, you know, just a, a, a cool inspirational quote um, around, about your movie or about the topic of your movie. Uh, if you're doing a niche movie, which is what I tell filmmakers to do all the time, if you're going to make a movie, make something niche. The riches are in the niches. Don't try to make a broad comedy. Don't try to make a broad horror. You know, it, it's you're, you're going to be thrown into the wolves with all that. There's just too much competition. Whereas if you niche something down, to like, you know, I'm going to make a movie about hot rods. And if you can then provide value to that community, then you've got something. Um, and I can give you a thousand examples of that. But that's that's my mentality of how to market and get my stuff out there. There's a like two books that you definitely need to read if anyone listening is Gary Vanderchuk's Crush It and the sequel Crushing It. Both of those books are insane. They kind of blew my mind when I first read Crush It on how to create a relationship with your customer, with your audience. Uh, and you have to look at it that way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we are definitely kindred spheres. First off, uh, the Gary V references. I love it. I got crushing it um, sitting right across from me. So I definitely can uh, relate to, to the jab, 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 right hook and everything that he says. But let's go back over kind of some of the things that you just mentioned um, that I really appreciate. You know, you said, one, we need to do uh, what we're doing in service of the audience. And, you know, it's funny because specifically, Sir Ridley Scott, he was on the business, uh, that podcast, promoting all the money in the world. And, you know, that was when the whole Kevin Spacey thing came out (laughs) and having to reshoot and everything. And and so Kim Masters was asking about, like, why why did you decide to, to reshoot? You know, while he had most of it, I think it might have been all of it in the can. And oh, no, it was all done. It was done. Yeah. yeah, and he said the exact same thing. He said that um, I am making this film in service of the film. What's going to be the best thing in service of the film? And to not have any drama surrounding it so that the film could actually be birthed and come out into the world and be seen as you know by as many people as possible, um, that's what he decided to do. And so I think that that is a, a huge thing, as you said, like just being in service of your audiences uh, or audience. And then you said uh, the riches are in the niches. I know Tyler Perry has always talked about like just super serving your niche. And I can't, I can't uh, agree with you more. I think that the great thing about indie filmmaking is that we're telling personal stories. Like most of the people that are, you know, indie filmmakers I know are nine to five. They got, you know, the the job that they have to work. Um, yeah. And then they go shoot on the weekends and they make it happen. So we don't have time 
to waste trying to tell a story that we think will appeal to, you know, the most people. But rather, if you focus on the niche audience, the, the, the story that you know personally, um, mm. you're right. The riches are in the niches. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you think about it, guys, if, you, if you're looking out at the movie, like you make an, uh, a generic comedy, a broad comedy with no stars in it. That's an indie movie. You're competing against the hangovers of the world. <laughs> like you're literally going up against those kind of budgets, those studios, those money. You can't, you can't uh, get to that audience. You just can't on an indie budget. I don't care if you have five hundred thousand dollars. You wouldn't even dent it. You know, you can't get the awareness up for that for you to recoup the money. It doesn't for the ROI, the return on investment doesn't make any sense. But if you make a movie like like I had a great, uh, a great filmmaker on the on the show. Her name's Faith Granger, who made a movie about hot rods, as I mentioned before. And she, it was her audience. She loved hot rods. It's what she loved to do. And it took her five years to do it. And it's a whole long story. It's a great episode. But what she did afterwards is she sold it directly to her audience, hot rodders around the country and around the world. Uh, and she sold DVDs everywhere to the point now where her entire she quit her job, and she drives around in a Winnebago around the, the country, just uh, doing shows, hot rod shows, where she does screenings of her movie, sells her DVDs. She has a business around hot rodding, like with pinstriping and, and and artwork and things like that, and she's become a celebrity in her niche. And now she did also like a four-hour documentary how she made it, and now she's you know working on a sequel, and and then since then she's directing like music videos and other things like that as well because of all the fame she got off of them. But by the way, before that she never went to film school. She taught her, she learned everything herself, and she literally made the movie almost entirely by herself. Wow. And and I know it sounds like a lot, but when you see the documentary, you're like, oh, she really did it by herself. <laughs> Holy cow! Like she built the set, she DP'd it. She, uh, you know, she learned, she edited it all. She did it. I mean, she did a lot of it almost by herself. So, um, but the, 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 the lesson to learn there is that she understood her niche very, very well. She made a product that her niche wanted. And then she knew how to get to that niche. Like she, you can penetrate the hot rod community. It is a small enough, large enough uh, community for you to make money, but small enough where you could actually get to a lot of people that are interested in your movie right. and in your products. And she sold a ton of ancillary products around that, T-shirts, hats, mag. I mean, it, it's insane. What she's, She built an entire empire off that one little movie all by herself. So it's fairly impressive. And I learned how to do that with my first short film, Broken, which is that short film because I knew the niche I was going after, which was filmmakers. Because I know filmmakers, because I am a filmmaker. <laughs> I'm like, I want to give them what I want. That's the same mentality around IFH TV. I wanted to create a service that I would want to watch. And, you know, if I saw it out there, I'd probably, I'd sign up. I'm like, holy cow. You know, what is all this information? So I built something for my audience because I understand my audience and I know how to get to my audience. And filmmaking is a large niche, but it's something that I've been able to do over the course of the last three, three and a half years being able to reach them through multiple different avenues. I'm in the I'm in the long game, not in the short game when it comes to indie film also. But but yeah, the riches are in the niches. I think any filmmaker making a movie in today's world 
who tries to do a, like a, anything that's even resembling a studio movie uh, at a low budget, you're just you're just setting yourself up for a disappointment. I mean, even if you have big stars, which is great, um, and that's a different conversation. But if you're just doing a straight up indie with no stars or anything like that. Just do a niche, man. Find something, you know. MMA, uh, you know. There's a thousand niches. I always use the Vegan Chef movie as a as an example. Like, make a movie about a vegan chef falling in love with a meat eater, and that's a romantic <laughs> comedy. Right. Great. Now you have a romantic comedy, but you can go after vegans, vegetarians, paleo, health people. You know, all those meat eaters. You know that are like specifically like you know all carnivorism. You know, you can target these. You can target these groups to point to point to a direction I'm like hey in this sea of crap that's out there because there's so much content here's something that's designed for you and your interests and with the power of facebook and google you can literally pinpoint by town by street almost people who are interested in your in that kind of content so that, that's a long answer to your question. Nah, man, uh, this is really great information, um, and I'm sure that the filmmakers listening are going to eat it up. But let's go on to the second question, Alex. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from mistakes in engaging the public and marketing your film? Uh, again, I guess it'd have to be being able to provide value. You know, early on, I would just market and, you know, spam. Not with any film hustle, but like with my older movies. I would just span everything out. I'm like, hey, guys, look how cool I am. Look at cool, look how cool this movie I just did is. Take a look. And that might have worked back in the day when there was not a lot of competition. You're talking about 13 years ago mm-hmm. when I made the first, first my first short. That was a different landscape. YouTube wasn't a thing. You know, It was still YouTube. It wasn't even owned by Google yet. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, there's... It was a different mentality, and I think a lot of filmmakers still make that mistake where they just they just announce and and, and proclaim what they're doing is like the, the end all be all when they're just being they're being um, loyal to their ego, but not to the audience, and they have to be of service to the audience and not service to their own ego, and that is something I've seen and experienced myself personally way too much in my life, uh, where filmmakers, as I like to say, go so far up their own ass. Uh, they can't even see the light of day uh, <laughs> because they just, they're all into what they're doing is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm. Trust me, I've been there. I've got, I've had that conversation with myself, you know, you, you, these delusions of grandeur. Uh, but that is the biggest, um, the biggest mistake I see filmmakers make when they're uh, trying to go after, uh, you know, audiences and, and marketing their stuff. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, that that makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, like even with analytics on Facebook, like even for instance, personally with when I put out, you know, hey, check out the new episode of this podcast or whatever, that is just screaming to a crowd. But as you said, are you loyal to your ego or loyal to your audience? And I think when you really try to make that connection, people people know the difference, right? Like I know, okay, here comes X filmmaker with their Kickstarter campaign and they're just trying to hit me up, you know, or and, and not even like as a, a host of a radio show, but just like hitting me up as like one of the number or numerous people that are on their list of, hey, will you support this versus like, a personal email or, you know, actually talking throughout the year so that when you do, like we said, jab, 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 right hook, 
when you do need that right hook and you have that ask, well, because of the track record, um, you know, I, I feel a lot more comfortable getting behind what you're doing than, you know, just this cold email that's, you know, just blanket, obviously, for everyone on your contact list. No, there's no question. I mean, I think that was, uh, I just saw that recently with Indie Film Hustle TV, where, you know, Indie Film Hustle TV is an ask. It's a fairly large ask because it's a monthly subscription, like, and it's only $10.99, but it's a monthly subscription. Um, but it's an ask. And I think all the goodwill that I've built up over the course of the last three and a half years with all the free content I've been able to put out and support I've given the community, when this came out, a lot of them just like, oh, yeah. And people were signing up for a year at a time, like pounding out years. I'm like, what? Like you get a year pass. And I'm like, holy cow. I just I was really taken back by that. And I think yeah. it's, it's truly because it's um, – um, because of the goodwill of everything I do. Like I, I always tell people, I'm like I, 95% of everything I do is free. It, literally 95% of the work I do every day is free. Take it. It's yours. Help you on your journey. You'd never have to give me a dime. Um, but 5% I charge for courses, for IFHTV, um, for consulting, for other things like that that I do. And, you know, I'm like, I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I think that's fair, and I think, and that's why I think people, you know, I, 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 I think that's. I don't like. I hope that's fair. I mean, I don't know what else you want. From me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think that that's fair, and uh, it totally makes a lot of sense, man. And spoken as a person that has uh, come to grips with this, you, you know, individually, because. I think, uh, and I can relate to you so much in terms of all the content that we put into, uh, you know, whether it's podcasts or uh, consulting or online courses and things like that, all in the service of filmmaking and how we love it so much. And we were joking um, prior about how, hey, if there's a vaccine, like our wives would probably like to shoot us up with it. Like, yeah, to get away from being a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly, exactly. Yeah, like there's a special one for an accountant, special one for a lawyer. <laughs> then you just go straight to being a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor. Um, I think my wife, though, would have given me that vaccine years ago. Yeah. Not now. She gets it now. Uh, and I've been able to make a business out of this. No, no, no. Uh, and that, not only film hustle, but from you know my post work and all the other stuff. But it took her a while. Like when she, you know, it's not. It's like look, when you're married to a filmmaker, it's like being married to a carny. Like it's it's a straight up like you're a carnival folk. You know, right, right. Money comes in and out. If you're on location, you get to go out out of town and then come back. You know, it's like new people coming in and out of your life all the time. If you're like a, like an indie guy, if you get a job somewhere, what's well, a different story? But, you know, if you're lucky enough to get a job somewhere that pays you on a weekly basis to be a filmmaker, um, great. Let me know where that is. I'll send people there. <laughs> right. um, but generally speaking, it's not the way it works in the business. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that vaccine would have been sold out very quickly in a lot yeah. of places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, okay. So I want to, I got I probably got about 10 more minutes. So sure. I, I want to go ahead and um, you ask me any question and then I want to be able to open it up for us to just chit chat. But as a filmmaker, film critic, film publicist and festival director, what's one question that I could answer for you? Um, why don't you tell filmmakers why they didn't get into the film festival? That's a, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> 
Oh man, that is a tough one. See, I, see you asked, and I, I was I'm gonna throw it at you. There's no softballs here, baby. No, man, and I appreciate that because uh, because that is an important one. So I've talked about this before, and sometimes like it can come down to the fact that you know your film was awesome, it was excellent, and on any other year it would have gotten into yeah. the film festival. However, there was something of a similar subject. This came up in DC Black Film Festival um, you know, this year where we had two films that were exactly pretty much similarly themed in terms of um, it was about counter protests. So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. both of them were real equally well-constructed um, names behind them, people in it. But it really just came down to like in programming, like, all right, these are these are the same films virtually, but which one really moves me in such a way that I think the audience will be moved? So a lot like we were talking about earlier in terms of serving our audience as a festival, I have to think about the audience, who's coming, and how can I make sure that when the lights come up, people are moved uh, in, a, in a new way, that people are either educated, entertained, or really want to have a discussion afterwards. Because we know with storytelling and films, that's what happens. Yeah, and, and then past that, like, you know, sometimes it's going to come down to the obvious, right? Like, technically, um, you know, if your film just isn't up to snuff, technically, we only have so many hours that we can program for the festival. I wish we had un unlimited amount of money, you know, different theaters that we could put it in, but you only have so much. So, of course, uh, as a festival, I'm always trying to put our best foot forward. Um, but then there's that gray area, right, where, okay, it's not like Green Book, and we know we're going to put that that one in the festival. Um, but then it's not like, uh, a, you know, really poorly done film, um, but it's right there in the middle. And I think a lot of times that comes down to the jury, um, kind of how they graded, and that's really where I look at their comments. Like, you know, what what's the vibe that they got from the film? Um, you know, what comments did they make uh, on the film? And then I actually go through and I watch it myself. And, and from there, you know, you just make those hard judgments. But I think that's kind of like peeling back the curtain and like how this kind of happens. Um, you know, that's that, that, that would be my answer to that. Yeah, but the, 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 the second part of that question is, is there a reason why you don't tell the filmmaker why they didn't get in? Oh, well, for me, at least with my film festivals, I tell, I'll tell you. If you ask, I will tell you. Um, and, and I do that because I, that. what'd you say? I've heard that. I've heard that from other festivals as well. Like if you ask, we'll let you know why it's not every festival, but some festivals. Right. Most definitely. And, and so for me, I want to be tr as transparent as possible. So I make sure that, you know, um, the jury, whoever's checking it out, they leave at least three sentences, um, Good. about the film so that when you do ask, I can go to it and say, one, it's proof to say, hey, we watched your film because, you know, as a filmmaker, I understand when, when you're putting out that money to, you know, hopefully get into a fe festival, um, if there's a, a opportunity for you to be able to learn, like you should, you know, you gave the money, so I should be able to provide you with a response. Um, but then at the same time, like, you know, there's like hundreds of, you know, submissions. I can't answer every single, you know, no, this is why you didn't get in, but I do, I am prepared to tell you. 
Um, and then at the same time, I think that, and so for me personally saying that we do tell you why, you just reach out and I'll, I'll be, I'm more than willing to let you know why. And sometimes, you know, it's unfortunate because filmmakers, it, you're, you're calling their baby ugly. And so they, uh, they automatically get upset. But the, yeah. the ones that I love are the ones that say, hey, you know, I was disappointed that I didn't get in. I totally understand that. But why? Yeah, because they're going to learn and they're going to actually grow. Um, right. Whether you, you know, being on the festival circuit, maybe you have the opportunity to change up some things in the edit. Um, but they're actually going to learn and grow. So, so yeah, for me personally and my, my festivals, I make sure that I'm able to tell you why you didn't get in and I'm able to give you feedback um, so that you can learn and grow because that's what it's all about. And what I love is the filmmakers that didn't get in one year, but then they come back the next year and they get in because, you know, they've improved in their craft. Um, I have to say something, though, but uh, there are ugly babies. <laughs> <laughs> There are butt ugly babies out there. <laughs> I, I have butt ugly babies in my 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 resume of films. Um, it happens. We all have them. But you got to be honest with yourself sometimes. Like, right. You know, she's mine. She's just a little fugly. Right. So, uh, and you know, and I'm being I'm being funny about it, but it's the truth. You know, look, I always say you know, I'm not the only one that says this, but. We all have, like, you know, a bunch of films in us that suck. Right. You got to get them out. Yeah. And that happens with every art form. If you're a songwriter, if you're a screenwriter, if you're a director, if you're a musician, you just got to pound through the bad stuff before the good stuff can start surfacing. And uh, a lot of people think their first time out, like, this is it. Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> I'm like, like, dude, you know. Those kind, you, you, those are like uh, lottery ticket conversations, and uh, which is the myth that Hollywood portrays in the filmmakers being, you know, that whole '90s generation, which was what stuck in my head forever. That took right. me so long. It took me so long to make my first feature because I was waiting and waiting. Like, I, my first movie's got to be like, you know, got to be Clerks. It's got to be uh, El Mariachi. It's got to be Reservoir. It's got to be Sex Lies and Video. It's got to be something big. And I finally just came to the conclusion. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It could just be a movie. Yeah. No <laughs> goddamn pressure on your first fucking movie. Sorry. Right. right. Like, Calm the hell down. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You know what? So, so, okay. So now, like, I've answered your question. You've answered my questions. Yeah. Um, in the little time that we have left, let's let's talk about that. So, you know, we're obviously both Gary Vee fans, and one of the yeah. things that he always talks about is the long game. And and one of the things that I think in my career that I've been, I've at first I used to be upset, right? So like, so let's just say with film criticism, you know, I got two little kids, uh, four and six, and uh, I used to tell my wife, oh man, I feel like I'm um, fighting with one hand tied behind my back because I can't get out to screenings like my other critic films uh, critic friends can, or I can't do these interviews because, you know, you got responsibilities. But now I'm starting to see, like, because of the struggle and the journey, like, it actually equips me to be stronger in certain oh. areas. So oh, yeah. so let's just talk a little bit about, you know, uh, appreciating the journey. Oh, my God. We can talk hours about this. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, look, it took me forever to learn that lesson. That life is the journey. It is not about the destination. You are at the destination for a short time. You're going to spend most of your life on the journey, going to place to place. 
and going from project to project and, and things like that. You've got to enjoy the day, the, the, the grind. You get the daily grind. You've got to enjoy the process. Because if you are just looking for the red carpet premiere of your movie, you are going to be miserable most <laughs> of your life. Right. And I was, I was miserable. I was angry. I was bitter at film at other filmmakers who were who were making movies that had bigger budgets than I had. I'm like, why did they get an access to that? I'm as good as they are. Why shouldn't I be getting those opportunities? Just angry, man. Angry. And I always tell filmmakers, I'm like. Every one of us knows an angry filmmaker, an angry <laughs> filmmaker, don't we? We all know one. Right, right. And if you don't know one, you are the angry filmmaker. <laughs> I hate to break it to you guys. That's just the way it goes. Um, and it's so true, though. It's so, so true. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you've got to just enjoy that journey, man, because I learned to love the grind. Indie Film Hustle taught me to love the day-to-day -day grind because – there's kind of no destination with Indie Film Hustle. Like, I don't, there's no, like, one big thing that, you know, like, Indie Film Hustle TV was, like, a big thing. It took me five to six months to put together. I launched it, and it's over. Right. <laughs> I launched it. It's launched. Now I got to market it and get it out into the world. But it's it's done, pretty much, right? Yeah. It's ever, ever growing and ever doing. But the bottom line is that was the destination, was the launch. If I was just focused on the launch and I didn't enjoy putting it all together, um, it would have been miserable. So every day I love, you know, the podcasts. I love creating podcasts. I love creating content. I love doing all of that. I love making movies. I love to go out and, you know, just go out and shoot a movie. I love the power to be able to grab a camera, grab a friend who knows how to do audio, grab some actors and like, hey, let's go make a movie this weekend. You know, I love that. I love being able to do that. But that's also because I have 25 years of tools in my box that allow me to be able to do that at a high, hopefully at a high level. Um, but even if it's not at a high level, you should still be doing that anyway. Practice, learn, make mistakes. Make a movie you only show your friends and throw it away and never show it to anybody else again. It's hard for people to do that because they're so attached to the outcome. And that was another big mistake I made. I was always attaching so much outcome to my projects. When you do that, like this is the one that's going to get me the agent. This mm. is the one that's going to break me through. This is the one that's going to make me my money. This is the, you can't do that to art, man. Yeah, it stifles, it stifles art. You know, I did it. I made a fifty thousand dollars short film eight years ago, and I put so much pressure on that poor thing that it, it just collapsed. It was a beautiful film. I still love it. I still, you know, it's on IFHTV. It's called Red Princess Blues. Uh, I, I learned a lot doing it. It looks, it's a stunningly gorgeous film, um, you know, but it's just, I put so much pressure on it, just could not sustain it. So, but like my first feature, I have no pressure on it. None. Didn't care. <laughs> didn't care at all. I didn't care so much that I DP'd it myself because I wanted to say, hey, I, you know what? I want to give it a shot. Really? <laughs> Why not? I've been a colorist for 10 years. I think I, I think I could get it to look decent. I was able to make it look somewhat decent. Um, I would much rather hire a professional DP, uh, but it was an experiment to see what I could do. And because I put no pressure on it, she flourished. I sold it to Hulu. 
you know, we sold it overseas. It was a movie that cost us like five grand. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, that's the, and the second movie I just did on the corner of Eagle and Desire, the one I shot at Sundance, I really have no pressure whatsoever on it. Like whatever happens, happens. My only goal with that movie is to hopefully get it into Slam Dance or Sundance because I just think it would be brilliant to have that movie screen at Park City. Right. <laughs> it just has to. Uh, but other than that, whatever happens to it, happens to it. You know, it's just like, it was a great piece of art. I loved it. I want to get it out to my audience so they can see it and enjoy it and have fun with it. But at the end of the day, I'm not expecting it to blow me up. I'm not expecting for it to make me millions. I'm not expecting to get an agent out of it. I'm not expecting, if it's going to happen, it'll happen. Like my book, the book I have coming out, if it gets made into a movie one day, great. If it doesn't, you got the book. You got to look at life like that, man. You got to look at things like that. Because if you if you don't, you're just going to make yourself crazy. Trust me, it took me 20 odd years to make my first feature film. I made my first feature film at 41. That was the first time I made a, a feature film. I wasn't capable of making a feature film at 30. <laughs> you know, but I didn't because of all this garbage that was in my head that I was filled with. So, yeah. That's that's a long answer to that, that question. So. Oh, man, but it's a beautiful answer. Uh, you know, I think you're so right. We put so much pressure on ourselves and looking at other people that we don't just enjoy the moment. And, you know, since you're a podcast guy, um, Lewis Howes, he just talked yeah. to David Goggins about mastering your mind. And Goggins is this guy that runs, like, these ultra marathons and, like, yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. But one of the things that he was talking about um, was how uh, if if you are living for, as he said, like, he wants to win, right, like, one of these ultra marathons, he said it's one second that he runs across the finish line. If he's looking for that one second to make him feel, feel fulfilled, then he's going to be angry most of his life. He said that like you have to enjoy the training up for it, the the telling yourself that, hey, I'm going to do this. Like that whole part of the process is the most exciting point. So for that one second, yeah, like you won, you accomplished the goal, but that's not really what it's all about. What it's all about is the journey and the process. And so I think I love how you uh, really brought that home. I think this has been <laughs> an incredible after show. Alex Ferrari, he is the founder of Indie Film Hustle, Indie Film Hustle TV. Alex, if you could, one more time, how can people find your information, follow you on social media? Uh, you can find a lot. Everything you need to find about me is on IndieFilmHustle.com. If you want to get access to uh, IFHTV, Indie Film Hustle TV, just go to www.IndieFilmHustle.tv. If you want to listen to uh, any of the podcasts I do, I do two. One's called the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, and another one's called the Bulletproof Screenplay, which is all about screenwriting, interviews with top-end screenwriters and gurus. And, uh, and, and if I can leave you with one uh, comment that hopefully – a piece of advice, I guess it would be called, is at the end of the day, the only race you're racing – the only person you're racing is yourself. At the end of the day, all this other, anytime you look at somebody else's, what their successes or their failures are, means nothing to you. Because you will one day be in the ground and you're going to be alone. And, if you, and, and the biggest thing I always love telling filmmakers, I'm like, when they get a little bit too far up their own ass, I always tell them this. 
in 500 years, no one will remember anything about you. In a thousand years, even if you were like the greatest filmmaker of all time, chances of that surviving is going to be nil. And in 10,000 years, we probably won't even be here. So shut up. <laughs> Get to work. Make yourself, happy. make yourself happy. Do the work that means something to you. And go out and make a film if that's what you want to do. Go out and write a screenplay if that was into you. We're here to do that, man. We're not here to work nine to five and live miserable lives. That's not why we're here. We're here to go and follow our dreams. But like I said to you before, follow your dreams, but don't be an idiot.